Welcome to the Wolf Connection Podcast. I'm your host, John Kalfa. Let's talk about some wolves. Another John joining me on the podcast today. Stephen is currently driving to Wyoming, so unfortunately he will not be with us today. But our friend, John Wood, who we met in Yellowstone a couple months ago, who is an avid wolf watcher, former... PGA golf caddy, now analyst with the Golf Channel, correct? I got and NBC, that right? yep. And NBC, got it. yeah. Yep. So he, we met in Yellowstone. Huge, dude, you were a huge help. I mean, <laughs> it, it, if you ever, listen, if you guys are ever in Yellowstone and you need help scoping, John Wood is your guy because he has a, a great scope, great eye, and he just, he knows all the points. Um, and now he's here and he's at Wolf, and he's at Wolf Connection and he made, you know, the drive and he drives everywhere. So, Dude, this is great. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, me too. I just had, uh, you know, you guys don't know it, but we just had the greatest time going around meeting all the wolves and taking on a little hike. And um, I couldn't get enough of it. I was laying around, rolling in the dirt with them, basically. So I couldn't get enough of it. This place is fantastic. No. You have a hard time getting me to leave. I know. No, it's it's fantastic. Just tell everybody how, how did you get into wolf watching? Because you told us, but it's fascinating. So you were, so you had a career as a caddy. And then how did that all transform into your, into nature and hiking and all this other stuff? How did you know, that yeah, I've, I've, I've been caddying on the PGA Tour for 24 years. Um, and then earlier this year, I just tra- made, made the move to become an on-course commentator for Golf Channel and NBC. And be, as far as being a wolf watcher, it's something I always, always liked. I love wolves. They've always been my favorite animal. Um, if, I'm at, if I happen to make it to a party, I'm out back with the dogs every single time. Um, but I always had it in my head that I wanted to go see the wolves of Yellowstone, but for some reason I had it that you had to make a huge plan and get a guide and, you know, do all this really intensive, you know, homework and everything. And um, so I kept putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. And then finally, you know, four years ago, um, I just said, you know what, I'm just going to, I had some, a few weeks off. I literally threw all my camping gear in my truck, you know, drove 16 hours to Yellowstone and, and uh, <laughs> literally slept in my car for an hour. And, and, you know, about an hour into after sunrise, we saw the entire Junction Butte pack, you know, walking across Lamar Valley. And from that second, um, you know, when, if I get free time, it's all I want to do is go up there. It's, I'm just absolutely addicted to it. And it's the best addiction I've ever had. Yeah, man. No, I, I don't, I don't blame you at all because we, it's so funny. So those of you who are listening and we didn't get a picture of you with us, but we got a picture of Steve uh, Johnson, right? I think it was Steve, Steve Johnson. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Steve Johnson. So Steve Johnson was one of our pictures when we were in Yellowstone, but John was right there in that first grouping that we met literally the first day. And it was just, it's incredible because we saw the, um, uh, the Junction Butte coming through that canyon. And that was just an epic morning. I mean, it was just, you get up and everything fell into place. But man, for you, it's, is it on the regular? I guess, do you have the, the, do you have the time and the space to do it? I do. More than you do, yeah. Yeah, thankfully, you know, my job is, is, not completely seasonal, but I get tons of time off during during the year that uh, that I can get up there. Most of the time I'm up there, I kind of spend uh, October through March. Those when I spend most of my time up there, I really like the winter. It's easier to see the wolves, um, and there's less people, so it's just much easier to find a spot and check them out. But um, you know, I think when I went up the first time, you you're kind of like. Well, I won't see them. Everybody else does. You just don't have that belief that you're going right. to be lucky enough to see them. But once you go and you get, you know, it's such an incredible community up there, as you now know, um, you know, just talking with them and, and, and hearing their stories and um, helping each other out, find the wolves from different pullouts and things like that. Now, I, I can't, I don't think there's been a day I've been up there that I haven't seen wolves. Um, you know, some, sometimes it's, you know, you see 50 wolves in a day and see them taking down an elk. Other days, you know, you might see two or three just jumping out of a bush. You never know. But um, just being up there and, um, it, you know, you once you get inside the park, you've got Rick and Maddie and Taylor and all these people you've had on your, you know, Lori on your on your podcast and Jeremy that it's it's free education. I mean, I feel like I should be paying them every day when, <laughs> when I'm out there during, a, you know, the wolf project or something because you, you're there – you know, and they're just full of information and they're so friendly and they'll, they'll tell you anything you, you know, anything you want to ask, they've got an answer for it. Um, you know, and you develop those relationships. And as we were on the hike this morning, I, w- I was talking to Elena about how you really kind of 
it almost feels like that's my tribe now. Mm. You know, those are my the things I really care about, the wolves and being out in nature and hiking, you know, that's my uh, closest people I have, in, you know, in terms of that. I don't have any friends, you know, from Sacramento or anything who go up to Yellowstone and look at wolves yet. But, um, you know, to have those friendships and, and uh, get to know that community has, has been so special for me. Yeah, the community to me is is really striking because you wouldn't think that a group of, and not strangers necessarily, but there are just people who have been doing it for so long and very helpful. Mm. I have to agree. I I, I met uh, Mountain Joe on- uh, <laughs> Oh yeah. On the, on the last day we were there on a Sunday, I believe. And- didn't know him from a hole in the wall and he was helping me, you know, pick our, pick our spot or say, oh, they were over here because we went back to the elk carcass that they had killed the day before. And it's just really incredible how just into helping each other everybody is. And I find that really fascinating in the times that we are right now that you can go to a place that you've never been to before and everybody, and we sort of caught the bug too because we had them in our scopes and we had people pulling off on the side of the road and saying, where can you see them? And we're like, no, 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 here, look in our scope and do it. Is It seems like it's an infectious thing, right? When you go there, I, I don't know if you feel the same. I mean, you must feel oh, the same way. Absolutely agree, 100%. Um, you know, when you first go, it's kind of intimidating almost because you don't really know how to set your scope up. You don't know the names of the pullouts or the names of the landmarks they're talking about to tell you where the, you know, the wolves are. So you're a little shy and a little, you know, I don't want to embarrass myself. I don't want to bug them. But once you engage with them for the first time, it's they, they can't help you enough. Mm. And, and you know, I've gotten to that point now where I, I feel like I'm a pretty good spotter and I know the names of most of the places and, and pullouts. Um, and, you know, to set a scope up, especially for kids, I love when kids are looking for wolves and they, you know, when they see them for the first time, that for me is like, I can't get my scope low enough, you know, immediately <laughs> when, when that happens and point it out to them and, and hopefully be able to tell them a couple stories or answer a couple questions for them. But yeah, that, that, um, you know, you said it, the community is so special and I think it's something so unique that we care about, um, that, you know, it's not a, I don't think very many people, you know, would, think of this as a hobby, go stand out and, you know, minus 10 degree temperatures and, and watch wolves from a couple of miles. But once you've done it once, it's, it's, uh, it changes you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And everything, and everything comes, comes onto that too, because you have bears and eagles and f coyotes and all these other different things. I mean, Taylor Bland has been posting Ugh. incredible footage the last few weeks just about the, cause the, the cubs are out and they're doing their thing. And she, she's another wonderful uh, guide and scoper and and tracker. That's part of Nathan Varley's company, and and they just they do incredible work. I mean, what was it about for you? What's it about wolves? Or was it wolves in general? Was it wolves specifically, or was it just nature? What was the thing that really pulled you to that? spot. Right. Definitely the wolves. I, I mean, I love nature. I'll, I'll camp anywhere in the world and, and go right. look at any wildlife in the world, but wolves by far my favorite, you know, animal to watch. Um, so it was definitely a pull to that place, knowing that would be the easiest and most likely place to see them. Um, and like I said, from the first day I got there and, and was able to see, you know, the entire pack walking across the valley, um, it, it is, it is literally life-changing. I hate to keep going back to that, but it is. Um, once you see them once, um, it's hard to explain what that feeling, I get goosebumps sometimes just thinking about them or, and then the great thing about, you know, you had Lori on last week about, right. um, you know, when you're not in the park, like I haven't been for, for a couple months now, but, um, you know, you can read her reports every night and feel like you're staying updated on the wolves that you know, and the packs that you know. And, and, um, so when you go the next time, you're not behind, you know, in the stories, you know, where everybody stands, right. you know, so-and-so have paired off to, to start a new group. And, um, so it's, I, I her Yellowstone reports is invaluable in that, in that way. Yeah. And I, it's so incredible too. I, I think for, I'll speak for Steven, but I, I believe he agrees with me on this. Just the fact that we started this little podcast and you guys, you, Steve, the, the people that we've interviewed so far. And it's really incredible to find that everyone is sort of, is interconnected in a way that they, they've heard of Wolf Connection. They sort of know about the podcast a little bit. And as it's grown and it's still small in stature to a lot of different things is that you all grab We've all sort of gravitated together into this one little spot. And it's for Steve, for myself, it's mind blowing because it's, it, it's the thing that I, 
and I'm not blowing smoke and I'm not trying to, but I'm just saying that just the fact that it's it's grown to where it is mm-hmm. and that it's reached the the corners of Yellowstone and it's reached even further than that in like Wisconsin to us is just, it's the tip of the iceberg now because we're like, well, we have to keep going. It's got to, it, you know, we got to keep building off it. It's just- You have to keep it. going for me yeah. at least, you know? <laughs> uh, I, so I have something to listen to every week. Yeah. Uh, but no, and I, and I wasn't super familiar with your podcast. And I think I first- um, I was searching for uh, Rick's name on something and it came up that he was on your podcast. And that was my first listen was his episode. Wow. Um, and, you know, ever since then, I've gone back and listened to the ones before that and, and haven't missed one since. Um, and again, I'm not blowing smoke either. It's, it's, um, I love the, the different walks of life of people that you get in, you know, get, you know, uh, somebody who's very scientific minded and knows everything about their bi- biology. Um, and then you pull in a schmo like me, who's just literally a hobbyist. So, um, I, and every, everyone in between. So, um, I, I've, uh, I've really enjoyed the podcast. No, man, you're, and, but you're, again, like I said, your group was so helpful for us. And it's just, it's making the connection and it's it's a lot of what we try to talk about, right? Is that human wolf connection is how do we, we come from all different points of life mm. and we converge upon this one thing. Sure. You know, whether it's wolf watching or bear watching or whatever it is, we're, we're out in nature and loving the conservation part of the fact that we can go to this park or go to these other parts in the United States and witness these animals in their natural environment. Right. I mean, that to me is the ultimate or one of the ultimate things that we get to do here, you know, out in this part of the United States is that we're here. You said it was life-changing for you. I know you can't put a thing, you know, maybe a pin in whatever Mm -hmm. it is, but what did you see shift in yourself? You know, um, I think it's no secret. A lot of people suffer from mental issues and and I've had some anxiety and some depression in my life. Um, and it's a, it was a couple things that Rick wrote in his books and then you see him in person. And it was about, um, how wolves love life so much. They, they can't conceive of giving up. They can't conceive of feeling, have any sort of self-pity if they've got three legs so be it. They still have to go hunt and provide for their family. Um, if they lose an eye, so what? You know, you still got to get out there and do it. So for me to just kind of equate that to my life, thinking, you know, they love life so much. Um, you know, you watch them get up from a nap and they've been sleeping for two hours and, you know, there's a pack mate next to them. They wake up and act like they haven't seen this other wolf in two years. Right. And the, the joy they have just waking up and seeing each other and, you know, getting together for a group howl or go out on a hunt or, or play with a stick. It's just, you look at those simple things that they derive so much pleasure and so much joy from and you think, I have no place in my life for self-pity. There's no reason for that ever. Um, so you, you just kind of think I need, I need to love life like a wolf does. And um, so that, that's helped me out a lot, yeah. you know, personally. No, it's, it's big because you, I mean, what, what can you relate from your professional mm. life to your wolf watching life? Are there any sure. parallels that you, that you had that you, that, either made it better or worse or, or put you out of your shell, you know, that broke you out of your shell maybe a little bit? Was there something that, like you said, where, you know, but maybe you battled some anxiety, some depression, like what was it about anything with golf? Because you're still involved in golf mm-hmm. pretty heavily. Yeah. So is it a good balance for you now to have both? Is it is. That- um, amazingly enough, I was thinking about it on the drive up here. I just finished a week at the US Open at Torrey Pines in San Diego. And um, as I was watching some of the groups that I was commentating on, it it really paralleled watching Wolves in that, you know, you know, certain wolves, they have this personality and they're very bold and this wolf is very timid. And, um, you know, you watch them interact with other, other wolves and it's very similar with golfers and caddies. You know, this one, this player is very bold. He'll try anything and he's a big leader. And this other one is kind of timid and he, he, he kind of shrinks from bigger situations. And, you know, it's not something I, I said on the air at all, but um, there's definitely some parallels there. And I found it very interesting in trying to analyze what's going on in the golf. And I definitely thought about the wolf pack, you know, as I was watching both, you know? Yeah. That's amazing. And then you, you so you get here because we discussed this, we got your information in Yellowstone and then you're, you're driving up here because you came up, you came, did you stay, could you stay in local before you didn't drive up from San Diego? I, I, was, I was in San Diego still yesterday on Monday to do a little Monday, thing right, for right. Golf Channel and then uh, came up here and stayed in Palmdale and last stayed in Palmdale, night. Yep. Yeah. So yep. we shouldn't have to do the two and a half hour drive. Not at all. <laughs> nope. <laughs> so just to be clear, John was willing to drive about five and a half, six hours from Sacramento. We're like, no, 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 no. We're not going to have that. Well, I know you don't, I know you don't Once care. I've been here once, now you're not going to be able to get rid of me now. <laughs> six hours is easy. <laughs> no, because you drive, I mean, 
mean, you're dry, I mean, you say you drive 17, 16, 17 hours to Yellowstone and that's no problem, but we try to make it as accommodating as hey, possible. You were John. very you know, I mean, we gotta be careful. You know, <laughs> I appreciate it. We don't want you to go too much out of your way. Um, so when you're, you're here, what was your first, because this is great, because this is the first time we've really had somebody fresh off of, you know, we, we went to Yellowstone and now you're here. Mm -hmm. What's the, what were your first impressions? What were your first, the things that ran through your mind when you just got here? Got here. Initially, the first thing I thought of was what you guys were talking about at Yellowstone, how you were watching these wild wolves from Junction Buttes or Wapiti and saying, oh, there's a daisy or, you know, there's this. <laughs> so it was interesting to me because, you know, I don't know the wolves individually in Yellowstone as well as, as Jeremy or Taylor or, or Lori or Rick or anything like that. But I know certain personalities and certain numbers um, and their personality. So it was fun coming here and seeing the wolves that you were talking about that we saw in the wild and their personalities and um you know, wolves are so unique individually. There's no, you can't say wolves do this or wolves do that. They're like people. They're, their personalities vary so much. And, um, you know, in the wolves you have here, you've got a little bit of everything. Some who are a little shy and, and skittish and others who come right up to you and start rubbing on you and want, some, you know, what they want, that connection and, and other ones who are a little wary, but warm up to you a little bit. Um, so just seeing that, you know, you see it in the wild, obviously, but to see it in person um, that close was fascinating to me, seeing their different personalities um, because usually you're scoping from a mile or two and, and you can see it certainly, but you can't see facial expressions. You can't see, um, you know, hackles raised typically from that far mm -hmm. away. So to be able to come up and see that um, very specific things in person, um, I, I was so excited. You know, the second I got here, I was, I was super excited and it just kept getting better and better as we went on. Yeah, I, it was great because you got to walk with Kenai, our alpha, and, he, and you got to see the difference between him and Jax. And you met the majority of them through the fence. Mm -hmm. And you got to meet Coda and Jay, a couple of my and Wiley. Ones, and, Wiley. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was great because you got to see interactions and things that, you know, like you say, we, we witness them every day. And it's sometimes I don't think I think about it when we talk about these interactions, when Renee's on the podcast and we say, oh, yeah, this is sure. how they re interact. And people might not see it or not be able to picture it as we can describe it. And we do the best we can. So for you to see it up close, that has to be because you're like you say you, now your 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 gaze is it was a, it was a mile now it's you know right in your face right and you're able to see it yeah yeah and to be able to um, be accepted by a wolf you know that is shy initially um, is is such a special feeling for me who might shy away or avert their eyes and then they kind of get a little closer and a little closer and then when they finally engage with you. Um, I don't know what it is, but you feel like um, your soul's in a better place. I mean, that may be a little out there and new agey, but it does. It makes you feel like your soul's in a better place when a wolf accepts you. And because they are, the, to me, they're the epitome of, of what's wild. And yeah. to have them come and, and accept you is, is a feeling it's indescribable. Why do you think that is with wolves? I don't know. I, I keep asking this question and I get different answers every time, but mm. for you, what is it? You know what I mean? Because I, I feel different things every time, but for you, why do you think that is? I, I don't know. I think for me, there's, 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 they have some sort of a wisdom that I don't think we can approach or understand. Um, and, I hate to anthropomorphize them at all, but that's, you know, it's what it looks like when you, when you look them in the eyes and you're up close and you see them, they're figuring you out. That's not a blank stare at all. You know, like some animals can give you that stare. There's nothing going on. You can oh, tell. Know, yeah. But with wolves, you can tell, you know, is this guy okay? And what, what am I safe to do around him? Am I going to need to be protective of myself? Um, so just to, to have that interaction up close with, with what to me is, uh, it's something that's been lost in our, our souls is this wildness um, that I think is good for everybody. So um, just to be able to interact with them on that level. Um, every time I leave Yellowstone, um, and I'll probably do the same thing leaving here today, I, I, I'm driving away and I'm thinking, okay, why did I just leave? I'm trying to figure out why I'm going home, mm. you know? And um, so I can't, you know, last year I spent, I spent 42 days in the park in Yellowstone and, um, you know, it's never enough. Yeah, yeah, it's never enough. It's a draw. And I think it's, yeah, you're right. The the feelings that come up every time, because when I, 
when we're here and we're doing pack care and we're doing all these events and things of that sort, it's there are to me there are points during the day or during an event where almost like a wedding where you tell they always say to the bride and groom or at least you know they told us you know you take a step back and just sort of look at everything for a good three or four seconds mm -hmm. and just witness everything that's going on around you at that point so you can sort take that mental snapshot and I feel as though we did that the times we're in Yellowstone is just taking it in for a moment. And here, same thing at Wolf Connection is we do that. I, I do it a couple of times where I'll just, I'll just sit or I'll just zone out. I, I guess you could say zone out for, you know, five, 10 seconds and just be where I am at that point and go, wow, this is, this is really part of my life yeah. at this point. Do I you ever, completely yeah. understand. <laughs> I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. 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 You stop and pinch yourself every once in a while. And um, I think the second time I went, um, I had a great interaction with a couple wolves that, that I wasn't expecting at all. But I typically, when I go there, um, you know, I'm in the park an hour before sunrise and stay until it's dark. And I don't want to miss anything. You never know what's going to happen at any certain point. And I happened to go in one morning and parked it at Lower Hell Roaring because there was, there was some activity the night before. They had a kill down there. And I thought, well, maybe, you know, I'll start there and, and just and what I typically do is I'll get out of my truck and just sit on the hood and listen. You know, if I can pick up howls from one area to another, I know, okay, that's an area I can go to. Um, and I was just, it was pitch black as, you know, no even hint of a, of a sunrise yet. And about, you know, 50 feet in front of my car, I saw these two sets of eyes just walking across the road, leaving where the kill site was from the night before. Wow. And, and then about, 10 minutes later, um, you know, probably a half mile, a mile away in the direction they were going, you heard this huge group howl and you're out there in the dark all by yourself and you hear that. And um, I'm a huge music fan, uh, but I've never heard anything that compares to a wild howl in, in the, you know, wolf howl, oh, yeah. wild. So, you know, those moments like that, those are the ones I do the same thing you do is kind of step back and go, I I'll never forget this moment. Yeah. I mean, what's that? What's the re how do you have the reaction that you have? Because there are people out there that I know if they if they were in that same situation, possibly, they may feel differently. Whether it be like you or the other side where they might be a little frightened because of whatever it is. Why do you think it is that you're comfortable in that situation? Well, like, um, what is it with you, you know, with you and and the wolves itself that makes it a comforting right. action? You know, I I don't have too many fears about the wild or camping or any animals, really. I don't like rats outside of that. I'm, I'm usually pretty okay. But, um, you know, I think when you read Rick's books or, you know, Doug's books or, or any books about wolves, they're really not a danger to us, at us, to human beings at all. You know, I think they're much more frightened of us than we are. I mean, I, I think we're more frightened of them than they are. What am I trying to say here? I'm getting mixed up. I think what you're saying, <laughs> yeah, because they're basically, I mean, they're not, I mean, this they is don't want to be around us. Exactly. Right. Don't be around yeah. 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 So, you know, anytime I get anywhere near them, I'm, I'm just thankful. But, um, you know, if you read any of those books, there's, they just don't attack humans, you know, unless they're sick or um, threatened. Um, I, 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 they don't want anything to do with us. So, um, you know, even, even if I was out hiking, um, you know, I wasn't near my car or something like that. And I heard those howls. I don't think I'd be frightened at all. I think I'd know what to do, you know, and, and don't try and get closer and, and, and give them their space. So, um, just that, that knowledge and through, through reading those books is, is, um, you know, it, it, for me, it gives me a sense of calm out there. I don't, you know, I, I would be afraid of bears for sure. And I think I would know what to do, but, um, as far as wolves go in the wild, I, I don't think I would ever have any sort of fear out there of them. Yeah, you clearly had tons of fear when you were <laughs> when, when we just when we finished our hike and our interactions. <laughs> I could tell you were you're totally frightened. Because <laughs> what's that like for you? I, we might have touched on it already, but just the fact that you're you're this close to high contents and great, and mm. not all the wolves that we have here are full. You know, high content wolves. Some of our low, mid, high. What what was that like for you? How did you take all, all that in to know that there's different levels, mm -hmm. at least out there domestically, that you know need to be rescued and things like that? How is it? You know, I think just you explained, uh, and Renee and and Elena all explained what what goes on in the different content here and the different personalities. Um, 
So I think as long as you go in knowing it's on their terms, it's mm. you don't get to decide, I want to go close to this wolf or I want to pet this wolf. It's on their terms. So it's it's just a feeling of letting go a little bit really and saying it's it's their decision. If they want to come up and, and let me pet them, fantastic. Mm. Um, if they want to nip at my fingers, that's their decision too. Mm. So you just got to be mindful of it. But, um, you know, I think you just have to let, it's know it's their decision. It's not yours. Um, mm. And to force it on them, you know, makes whatever, whatever habit they have more ingrained. If they're skittish and a little afraid of humans, if you force it and try and get them, they're going to be more skittish. So right. just to kind of sit there and let them approach you, um, it's a, to have that, that bit of knowledge, I think is invaluable. Yeah. I got, um, Steven texted me this morning before <laughs> before he, he goes, he's like, I'm not gonna be able to, he can't be be with us, but he he told me to ask you, he had one question he wanted me wanted me to ask you. Um, and it says, now that you've met the wolves in person, does it at all change or simply further your existing perspective of the wolves you've seen in the wild and their and in their nature? That's a great question. Yeah. I think it kind of solidifies what I what I see and what I think out there. We talked about it earlier about their different personalities. And, um, you know, you, you know it in talking with Lori and Rick and Jeremy who, and, you know, Maddie and Taylor, who are so good at identifying the individual wolves and, and um, telling you what to look for in their personalities. Um, and once they tell you, you really start noticing those things. Um, so I think it was, uh, it will solidify those feelings of in the, in the wild, because up close, um, it's exactly the same. It's, you know, there were a couple that obviously stay well away from the fence and don't get anywhere near you. Um, others who are kind of saying, this is my place. What are you doing here? And others who say, hey, who are you? Let's, let's play like a, a pup or a yearling or something. Yeah. Um, so I think it just solidified um, uh, what, what I see in the wild. Yeah, which, which ones... If you can remember, because I know- Wiley. We, we, I love Wiley. You love Wiley. I loved Wiley. <laughs> he was a blast to me when he introduced, um, inter, uh, interacted with um, Jax, Jax yeah. which you said was one of the first times he'd done that. Um, and to watch him kind of spar a little bit and play with him and, and almost be a little dominant and over Nanny, him. Nanny, yeah, it was yeah. great. It was and, a good yeah, thing. Yeah, and um, Nanny is- um, the nanny is- uh, Luna. Luna. Luna, my yeah. gosh. Yeah. So calm and um, what a presence she is. You could just- I think any wolf, it was uh, she would have such a calming effect on them because she had this, that effect on me when because she was just so quiet and she'd look at you and it was peaceful and she wasn't afraid of anything. Um, and you could see that she had the same effect on the other wolves. Yeah, she's she does incredible work. Her and Nova doing amazing work. And and yeah, for you to see the interaction and the nannying that was happening and the fact that Jax was willing to accept that. Yeah, and be okay with those with that correction is again, just part of his growth and being able to see that. And I, we, we were telling you that we had Alicia Jones on a, a couple of episodes ago, who was Jax's former caretaker. Mm -hmm. And the growth that we've seen from him from a four month old to now a two plus year old is just mind boggling. Sure. And to be able to see those things up close is really incredible. I mean, again, the work that, the Maddies and 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 Jeremy and Dylan, all these guys that they and all these individuals that they do in Yellowstone, is incredible work and in a lot of time being spent. And it's when you just know what goes into all of the research that happens, and when we do some of it here and we see those behaviors and go there, I'm like, man, they they really have their work cut out for them mm -hmm. to be able to really gain the amount of knowledge and understand, you know, how to track these packs and which wolves are which and which roles they play if they can figure those out if if they can it's just yeah. incredible work that they do yeah i was thinking about you guys here and and when a, a new wolf comes in how um how much time that must take to to understand where this wolf is is it is it friendly is it scared can it be around other wolves can it be around males or females or older wolves or you know to figure all those things out that's got to be quite a task trying to figure out who this new wolf will belong to and what what uh he may he or she may need to work on in terms of being part of the, the new pack. Um, that's got to be fascinating to work out. Yeah, it's Renee and Elena and Julie and the entire pack services team, really, and Michelle, they do a great job of figuring all of those things out in terms of behavior, in terms of food, in terms of what's the imprint that was left. And some of it's trauma, some of it's not. Mm -hmm. You met Willow, who 
she has no real, I mean, there was really no trauma for her right. other than the fact that she had to be given up by her owner because she lost her house. But, you know, for her, she's extremely balanced. She's the cover of our podcast for a reason. <laughs> but she, you could just feel that with her all the time. And she really pushes that out there. I don't know if you felt that at all with oh, her when for she sure. was there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah for sure. Yeah, this is a, that's what we, I mean, it's just a different feeling from every wolf, which is so special, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely felt that from her. Yeah. yeah very balanced, very um, confident. Were there, I'll ask, let's see if I can flip this on you. Okay. So are there any of the wolves that you met here that you can relate to some of the wolves that you- mm, That's a good question. Um, uh, I'm trying to think now. Uh, one of my favorite wolves in Yellowstone is uh, 1109, and she's kind of been ostracized from the Junction Butte pack, mm. um, and she's been on her own. And whenever they see her, uh, they kind of chase her away. But this this winter, I was there, and one of the yearlings had kind of befriended her, and they were kind of walking around as a pair. Um, so I'm trying to equate that with somebody here in terms of a pair, but um, that loneliness she must f have felt from being ostracized from a pack that she'd been a part of since she, the day she was born. Yeah. Um, to have that other wolf join her, um, and and even if it's just for a day or a two, you know, playing, but you know, they they'd spent a few days together when I was there. So um, uh, just that that community. So I, I don't know if there's any specific wolf here who I would equate it to, but um, you know, I think probably a lot of these wolves spent their lives without any of the dogs or, or wolves around them. So to, to have that companionship all of a sudden and say, oh, these are, these are my people or these are my wolves, um, it kind of, it, it very much reminded me of 1109 and this yearling when we were there last time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that's where we get a lot of, this is where we talk about on the tours or anybody that comes through is that this is such an unnatural pack because they come from so many different places. And so many different backgrounds, but the fact that they they all howl together, they all in a way they all work together to allow each other to grow, even though they're all separated in different enclosures. They may not all hike together, they may not all get along, but there's a there's a vibe in here that allows them to settle and to grow and to be part of this place at Wolf Connection so that they can be the best wolf, wolf dog that they can be, Kenai, I mean, we told mm. you about that. It, I mean, Kenai, I say this all the time, is that Kenai, it took him seven and a half to eight years to be the alpha that he is right now when he just turned 10. Right. So to think about the amount of time and the timing that it takes and the right set of circumstances and the mistakes that were made or the, the, the missteps that happened along the way, to get to that point. And it's so incredible to see that growth up close mm -hmm. for the amount of time that we're here. And I mean, do you, do you, I mean it speaks to 1109 yeah. a little bit, which I think- uh, I can't imagine seeing it every day like you guys do. Um, I'm coming in for a day here and seeing, yeah. hopefully I come back many more times oh, and, yeah, and see absolutely. their growth and, and, and watch them grow up. And, um, but the fact that you guys get to watch these, this group of wolves every single day, watch them mature or, um, you know, get older, which always isn't the best thing and, and getting certain injuries or, or just, you know, getting that the old age or just seeing them come out of their shells when they get here. I can imagine some of them get here just scared to death, you know, and afraid of their own shadow. And, and to, I'm sure watching them every day get a little bit better, you know, greet, a, greet another wolf and then greet a human. And um, that's got to be so enriching for you guys daily to see their, you know, how much they progress every day. And when they really come out of their shell and do something new, like, um, um, gosh, I, I'm, Wiley, Wiley did today, yeah. you know, that's got to be so cool. Yeah. I mean, for you to see things like that, it's really and and it's just it, it speaks it's a testament to just the fact of where because Wiley he's a mental low content but the he Renee said this before he's in a way he's sort of this glue because he has been able to be around all of these high contents mm. he's almost like a little brother to Coda in a sense and now if him and Jax and this partnership is forming as two young males to be able to hang out, go on hikes together, possibly maybe they're able to hang out. I don't know if we want to stick Wiley in with Charlie, <laughs> but the fact that they can be around each other is such a, it just expands the enrichment process. And it really just gives them 
a whole different set of thing, a whole different set of angles and skills that we can amplify. Right. And just really grow them to, again, just be the best that they can be. And right. It's, it's, that's the part where you go, wow, this, some of the things that we're doing are really enriching their lives, even if it's in the latter stages, some of them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I can totally see that, what you said about Wiley, you just from the second you see him or interact with him, you feel like, you know, he, he feels like one of those wolves who just likes everybody and everything. It's like, yeah. I'm going to look for what I have in common with this person or this wolf and, and we'll go with that. And, yeah. he, you know, he just seemed like a fun, a fun wolf who was, um, had, a, had a big heart when it came to anybody around him, you know? Oh yeah, I know. He's been like that all the time. What do you, what trait as a wolf do you think that you epitomize most? throughout the course of your life or did oh, it change? Wow. Um, I would say um, their their empathy towards other wolves mm-hmm. um, in their pack, trying to take care of, of things. I think sometimes I'm a people pleaser to a to a degree yeah. that's probably not healthy for me, <laughs> but I still, you know, I, it's one of those things. I want people to feel comfortable. I don't yeah. want people to feel uncomfortable around me or, or feel bad about themselves or about anything. So, um, you know, in Rick's books, you, you you read a lot about 21 and here's this unbelievably strong alpha who really made it a point to, to reach out to, you know, injured pups or, you know, um, wolves that weren't very highly ranked in the pack and made it a point when he saw them down in the dumps to go over and spend time with them and play with them and, and make sure they felt included. Um, you know, Rick says, Rick wrote that uh, 21's a better wolf than, than I'll ever be as a man. I think mm. the same thing. You think of traits like that and how much they care for one another in their own pack um, and take care for one another. If, if somebody can't go out on a hunt because they're injured, um, you know, they they bring food back for the other wolves. You know, it's not, you know, especially um, if a mother dies and she has pups, um, I think other a lot of other mammals and, and animals in nature would, you know, a male would come along, kill those pups so he could, you know, take along his his bloodline. But for wolves, they just, they raise them as a community. These are our pups. And um, I love that that uh, feeling of empathy they have for one another. Man, yeah. It, it's one thing you don't think about. And I, I feel a lot of that gets lost inside of the myth and the legend about what we were brought up to know for what wolves were, what they are, what they do. And it's such a unique perspective to see people such as yourself, Lori Lyman, others that are working on coexistence projects really get into the meat and bones of what wolves and wolf packs actually do as opposed to what we believe that they do. And it's, it's encouraging to see, do you feel the community out there is, is, is growing in a positive way, growing on a younger scale? Do you think is, um, you're, uh, you're in your fifties, I think you said, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So, I mean, do you see that there's a lot more of the younger generation stepping up and wanting to be in nature, going to the park, watching wolves? Do you think it's something that'll cascade a little bit? Or, I mean, you probably can't speak to it as much, but what do you see just as a general observer? Sure. It, I mean, it feels like it. Um, I think younger generations in general are more um, forgiving and more liberal when it comes to, you know, societal ideas. And, and um, I think they're, they, you know, that younger generation cares a lot more about um, ecology and conservation. And and I certainly think it would transfer over to wolves. I don't know why it wouldn't. Um, and I think, you know, we, we grow up with these fairy tales and these myths about wolves, which couldn't be further from the truth, you know? And I think as the further and further we can get away from that, um, you know, with, whether it's Rick's books or um, Lori's reports or Bob Landis's films, mm. um, I think the more information that gets out there, the better off, you know, wolves in the wild will be. Yeah. I just, we just interviewed Jim and Jamie Dutcher Mm. and I watched that Living With Wolves documentary again. Again, it's a remote and it's a controlled study. Right. But for anyone to think after watching that, that these just, you might go in thinking one thing and and yeah, I, I asked them the tough questions about it, but to, to see the way that these wolves acted around them, in and around them, really speaks to, I think, the larger picture of what 
they actually are. Right. And that they are just, and it, it's funny because a lot of different individuals on here have said they are, they are just doing their thing mm-hmm. and that's what they want to be doing. And it's, it's fascinating to see that in a controlled situation with us here on the ranch that if you just let them do their thing, you'll see some fascinating things. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you'll see that they're just, they're just trying to live, thrive, and survive. Right. And that's really what it is. You right. know, and there's nothing that they're, I don't think, doing too much um, right. on, the, on the negative end. There's a book called Three Among the Wolves. I don't know if you've read that. But I haven't, no. It's a, it's a fantastic book. I'm drawing a blank on the authors right now, but it's this, this couple who studies wolves. And it was an arc. They went up to the Arctic with their dog Charlie, and Charlie was a low content wolf dog, but um, you know, super friendly and great with kids, and and and, but had a little bit of wolf in him. So they went up to study these Arctic wolves, and I won't give away the whole book, but it, it's worth a read. They they basically accepted this couple studying them from closer than the couple anticipated because this pack looked at this pack and saw it as a three person pack or a three wolf pack with Charlie as their alpha. Wow. Um, and so, you know, it just goes through this, this really relationship that Charlie, you know, and they never got up close because Charlie was always on a leash when they were around, but um, they developed this amazing relationship. And uh, uh, the, I won't give it away, but the end of the book's a tearjerker when it <laughs> talks about when Charlie leaves this, these wolves. Um, but yeah, it's, um, you know, and I, I equate, what you were talking about with this book a lot. So, yeah, it's amazing too how the bonds can just be so different, right? It doesn't always have to be physical. And I, I, I try to mention that as much as I can because we always feel that we need to have these physical bonds, touching, petting, grow. I need to be able to touch something in mm. order for it to, to feel like I have this connection. Right. And with some of them, just being able to be five, 10, 15 feet away, even if it's 25 you know that there's a wolf that I'm talking about here mm-hmm. at the at Wolf Connection, as opposed to when you go to Yellowstone, that's even further. That's yeah. amplified by, you know, a mile, two miles, however much, how good your scope is and how clear the, the distance. <laughs> right. But do you feel that there's, is there validity to that? That you feel there's, there's, a, there's still that connection, there's still a bond, even at that distance, and you feel that, that draw, obviously you go back, you know, yeah. as much as you can. So obviously there is a draw. But I think the watchers feel it for sure. Um, yeah. I think a lot of them have their favorite wolves um, and their favorite packs and, um, you know, worry about them when they're not there. And, and you know, when they, as they get older or if they get in a fight with another pack or anything like that. So absolutely. Um, I think I definitely feel that. I, um, that's my next step. And, you know, I, I know the packs fairly well. I know the the areas, but I think the next step I need to take when I go there is, is learning the individual wolves more. And, mm. um, because, you know, you, you, you watch somebody like Jeremy or, or Rick and, um, you know, one quick glance in a scope at, you know, 25 wolves and they'll know every single one that's there wow. and what they're like. So, um, you know, that's my next goal is to start learning the individual wolves a little bit better. And, and um, you know, there's some great resources for that. Um, obviously, uh, Yellowstone reports what Lori does. Um, and then Jeff, Jim Halfpenny's guides um, mm-hmm. that he puts out every year of the wolf packs and, and, you know, hopefully has pictures to go along with a lot of them um, are very helpful with that too. Yeah, Jim, Jim was an awesome oh. guy to talk to because he, Jim to me or and to Steven too, we go, this was a guy and I don't know what it is about him. Like his voice was just very mm-hmm. soothing in a way, but he just he had this way of speaking in in a in a tone that was just so engaging. And he's been doing this for so long, mm-hmm. but he's he's such an informative person right. in this field that you know, I don't think he's involved as much as he was before because I think he's in his seventies now, right? Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, I think so. But um, he's just an incredible. I mean, that's another incredible yeah. uh, asset to be able to to speak to. Yeah, it's a to. good story about last time I was there. Um, you know, I've been going up for a few years, and and I've gotten to know Lori, and like we said, a lot of the other people, and. Um, I think I've become decent at, at, at spotting wolves and packs and knowing the different landmarks and how to describe where wolves are. Right. Um, so Lori, you know, happened to call Jim and say, hey, you know, they, this group has a bunch of radios that they talk back and forth on when they're in the park, um, saying they've got, you know, these animals at this place or this pullout just to kind of, so you've got it spread out a little bit. And, and Lori, you know, was able to contact Jim and say, hey, I think John Wood is is uh, someone who might need might be great to have a radio because he, he's a good spotter. And I tell you what, it felt like I was being knighted. 
<laughs> I felt like I was walking in gyms and he was pushing a sword on both my shoulders. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, that was that was a, a quite an honor to be a part of that group. Yeah. What's that like? Just having that the radios go back. Does it get? Is it? helpful sometimes and is it also sometimes that there's a there's too much chat like wh- what do you usually do are you no usually- i think i think it, there's not usually not too much i think most of the people realize it's uh, say as little as you you can you need to got it um and me being fairly new to the the group of, of people with these radios um you know if there's somebody else there with a the radio i tend to turn mine off completely because i know they're more adept at, at the, the protocols and, and how to handle everything. Right, in the verbiage. But yeah, if I'm, if I'm at a place, um, you know, by myself and I, I see wolves, it's, it's a very minimal thing. You kind of, you know who else is there, you know their radio number, and you say, um, you know, 17, this is 269, um, and I have wolves at, at Slough Creek, or, or I have two animals at, uh, you know, tower pullout. Mm. Um, and that's basically it. Um, you don't talk about it or what's going on. You just kind of get the information out there. So, you know. So that everybody can get everybody there. Everybody can yeah. get there. Exactly. Yeah. It's amazing. It's just a really, it's just a really, and, and the fact that it, to be able to be indoctrinated into that situation for you, mm. and I'll, I'll ask this because did you think, 10 years ago, this is where you'd be? No, not doing this. <laughs> no, uh, definitely not this involved. I always thought it was something I would do, but um, not that it's taken over my life, but it's certainly, um, you know, I, there's a few th- hobbies. I, I love baseball. I love, you know, playing music and trying to, to write songs. But um, if I've got any chance at all to go see Wolves, that's like my number one thing I want to do in right. my life. And I, I never thought it would go to that, that top level of, of um, you know, hobbies or interests in my life. And it, it definitely has. Do you think you've struck more of a balance in your life since you've done this? Um, or is it an added? It's probably added. And honestly, it's it, <laughs> just jokingly, it's probably taken away from some of our relationships because <laughs> I'm like, okay, I can spend time with these people or I can go see the wolves. And right, it's typically, right, right. I want to go see the wolves. Um, so it goes hand in hand. But, um, okay. you know, it's amazing how many of my friends are fascinated by it. They haven't done it themselves. But when I start telling them stories of what I see and showing them my videos and pictures, um, I think it, it only increases the the knowledge of, of wolves and who and what they really are to uh, people who don't necessarily go to Yellowstone. But, um, you know, everybody I show it to is just like, oh, I got to go. Can I come with you sometime? Yeah. And, and uh, you know, the more people you expose to it, the, the better off wolves are going to be. And that's, and that's the best part. I mean, we talked about this to a couple of different people. Uh, we spoke with a, a hunter who is also a pro wolf advocate. Mm-hmm. And that's the best part is that you being able to speak with people just in layman's terms or speaking to individuals who not or aren't necessarily on the front line of either it's wolf watching or preservation or conservation, but they're just going about their daily lives. And the more they hear about it from a friend of theirs or right. someone that they know closely enough and get the information from, it's probably better off than yep. getting it from someone who might be in a, prof- you know, pro- uh, you know, a professor or an educator or things of that sort. And it's almost better that it comes to them yeah. in a way that they're able to understand and really get to feel No question. Like. And I think Rick's books do an amazing job of that because they're not overly scientific. They're, they're, he tells stories and, you know, they're life stories of these wolves. And, you know, I've, I've told everybody who want, you know, if they ask me about Yellowstone or the wolves, I go, hey, read these two books, you know, and this will tell you if you're interested or not because most people read those stories and go, oh my gosh, I have to go. Um, so yeah, I, I think Rick's books are amazing at that. Um, but yeah, just telling people what you see and showing them, um, I've been lucky enough to get some good videos and some good pictures while I've been up there and to come home and show those to people. Um, it's a hoot. It's, it's, it's I don't yeah. know other way to describe it. It's just it's a really blast. Great. Oh yeah. yeah. It's so awesome. And you shared some incredible videos and photos with us. And I can't, again, we can't thank you enough for doing that, <laughs> man, because you, I mean, it's just, again, it's just the randomness of life and how these things work out that, you know, we met you and the fact that we saw you in Yellowstone, you're here with us now. And I got to ask my final question that I ask everybody else is when you hear the word wolf, what is the thing that comes to your mind? Uh, it goes back to something we talked about early in the broadcast uh, about um, how they just, there is no self-pity. There's no sense of I'm injured. I can't go hunt. Um, I'm hurt. I'm just going to lay down for a couple of days. It is um, 
no, I, I love life so much. I don't care what obstacle you put in front of me. I'm going to keep going until I can't breathe anymore. Um, and so just uh, for me as a human being, I think if I can take that into my daily life and um, not let little sec- setbacks get to me like wolves don't, um, it'll, I'll be a better person for it. Um, so that when I think about wolves these days, that's, that's what I think about most. Yeah, that's great. John, I tell everybody too, because you got a you got a great Instagram, you got tons of stuff. Tell everybody where they can follow you. And then where's your next uh gig for for Golf Channel? What's uh, going on with that? Sure. There? Um my Twitter and Instagram are John Wood, spelled W-O-U-L-D. Um, but um yeah, I I try and post a lot of videos on there. There's a lot of golf content too, just so uh you can you can go right past that if you want to. <laughs> but uh whenever I go to Yellowstone, I try and post, you know, anything anything interesting or good that I get, I try and put it up there. Um and my next gig with uh NBC Golf Channel, I've got a couple weeks off here and then we'll go uh, across the pond for the the British Open. Um and um after that, I think I've got a couple more weeks off and then go, we'll do a, a run of the playoffs and the Ryder Cup and a whole bunch of big events after that. So yeah. uh, fairly big, busy schedule coming in, coming up, but um, you know, I'm, I'm really enjoying the job so far. Like I just started in January, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. So yeah. So you got a great time. voice for it, man. You really do. Like, <laughs> no, you. just hearing it through that. I mean, you got a great voice and it's great. I mean, I wish you all the, all the best. I Thank mean, it's you. just, this is, this is great. And I'm so glad that you're, you know, you took your passion to golf and now you're able to, I mean, it's fun. It's, yeah. It sounds like it's just fun for you now, which, yeah. is, which is perfect. Well, I want to thank you guys for having me down and showing me the wolves and and having me on here. I was kind of thinking, boy, uh, what do I have to say here compared to some of the amazing guests that you've had on here? But, um, you know, you, you've got great questions and, and uh, I just want to thank you for having me here and seeing the wolves. Just a special day for me. Of course. Yeah, you're welcome back anytime. You okay. know that. You're part of the pack now, John. <laughs> you know that, right? I'll it's, be down here cleaning out dog bowls in, in, in no time, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm fine with, listen, we need all the help we can get, you know that. Oh my God. All right, everyone. How's everybody out there? And Stephen will will be with me next time. But till then, talk to you later, everybody. Bye. Looking to support Wolf Connection or sponsor one of the wolves in our pack? Just go to wolfconnection.org, click on the donate tab and find out more information.